son. And we're talking about this guy in the Old Testament, one of the most courageous, brave, manly men that has ever been written about. We're talking about Joshua in the Bible. And, you know, there's a lot of great men in the Bible. There's a lot of heroic warriors throughout history that we could look at, even, you know, that aren't in the Bible. But there's just so many different things. But Joshua is a mighty, mighty, powerful man of God that God did some really huge exploits through. And to, re- to review just a little bit, last week we looked at Joshua 1.9 where it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you'll find your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. And so we focused on that sentence there about meditating in the Word of God. Does anybody remember what it means to meditate in the Word of God? Yes, you keep speaking it. And, you know, I was under the impression for years for some reason that meditating in the Word just meant that you read it all the time. But that's not actually what meditating means. Meditating is to repeat something to yourself over and over again audibly. And, uh, and you know, different religions of the world, they, you know, they meditate and stuff, but, you know, that's weird. We're talking about meditating the Bible. And so Joshua literally went around all day long meditating the, the law that he had, the Bible that was already written up until that point. And, and so he would, he would go around repeating this to himself. And the more that you get this in you, the more you meditate, the more you repeat it to yourself, man, you're hearing the word of God. How does faith come? By hearing. And I mean, if you're hearing the word of God all day long and you're speaking it, you are going to get really, really crazy strong in, the, in God. I mean, you're going you're gonna to be ferocious. I don't care who you are. If you go around speaking the Bible for several hours a day, you're going to be a faith giant. Whether you like it or not, you're going to be huge. And so Joshua became, I mean, an absolute spiritual warrior, a maniac. And also, because of that, God blessed him in battle, and, and he won some amazing battles, which we'll study in future weeks. And so Joshua 1-8 was, uh, 1-9 was last week's verse. Um, 1-8 was last week's verse. This week we're going to look at Joshua 1-9, the very next verse, which is also an amazing verse. So open your Bibles tonight to Joshua chapter 1. And we're going to look at verse 9. There we go. There we go. Yeah, don't lose that excitement. Don't lose that excitement. Come on. Man, hey, if we're going to come out in the 30 degrees and rain and all this stuff, we're going to have church. We're going to have church, man. All right. Joshua 1, 9 in the New King James Version. um, It says this. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be strong and of good courage. And, and God said, I've commanded you. This is my command. Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and courageous. The New Living says, uh, don't be afraid, afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so... That's going to bring me to point number one tonight, and it's this right here. Number one is this. God will not fail you or abandon you. God will not fail you or abandon you. What King David said this. He said, I've been young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. And, and so David said, man, I've lived a long life. I'm old now, but I've seen a lot of things, but I've never seen 
God forsake his children. And some of us in here could say this too. I mean, you know, we, we've seen a lot of things, you know, some of us more than us, but we've seen a lot of things over the years. But one thing I've never seen is God forsake his children. And I've never seen his, his seed having to beg for bread. And I'm talking about people that take this seriously, you know, because I know some people that have found themselves in bad situations and then blame God. And, and I'm thinking, God didn't owe you anything. You haven't given him a second of your time for 30 years. And then you say, where was God? He was there trying to get into your life for 30 years and you put him away and then you blamed him for your troubles that's not fair so don't blame god for that mess if you put yourself in it but i'm talking about people the righteous that have that have sought god that have been real with god that you know we're not perfect but we've been real we've been trying we've been seeking god we've stuck by him i've never seen those people forsaken i've never seen them having to beg for bread god takes care of them and this is the command right here uh that that that, uh god gave to joshua and i want to show you a verse right here in Joshua chapter 1, and it's verse 5. So you're, you're already in Joshua 1. Let's, why, why, let's just look at verse 5. It's not going to be that hard. Verse 5. And so it says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Whoa. He says, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you or forsake you. That's an amazing promise. And I want to read that in the New Living Translation also. He says, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. I will not fail you or abandon you. I mean, let's think about this. How many of us in here have ever failed at something in your life? I mean, yeah, I've, I've, I've failed at some things. Absolutely. I've, I've failed at a few things. But think about this. God's been alive a lot longer than I've been alive, right? And you've been alive. I mean, because he's always existed. Nobody created God. Nobody came up with this idea. Hmm, let's make a thing called God. God's always existed. He's been around. I mean, you could think of a billion years ago. God was there. Out of all those years, he has never one time failed at anything that he's done. That's a, that's a pretty stinking good success rate right there. I mean, you know, I, in baseball, if you could bat 400, you'd be doing incredible. If you could get a hit 40% of the time, you'd be like, I mean, no one's done that in 80 years or something. But God, we're talking about not 40, not 50, not 60. He 100% success rate. Anytime that God sets out to do something, anytime that God makes a promise, dude, it's real. It happens. God never fails at anything. And he says right here, Joshua, just like I was with Moses, man, I'm going to be with you. Nobody is going to be able to stand up against you. As long as you live, nobody can take you down, Joshua, because I'm with you. I will not leave you or forsake you, or I will not fail you or abandon you. And I can say this in my life, man. God has never failed me. He has never abandoned me. I mean, I've had some failures in life, but it was never God's fault. I mean, I've screwed some stuff up sometimes, but it wasn't, it's not what God wanted. And it was not his fault and it was not his will. But any time that I've done things according to God's word, and, I, and I've, I mean, I'm just speaking. Any time that I've done things his way, it's worked every single time. And I mean, I don't know everybody else's situation, but in my experience, any time that I have done things according to God's word, 100% of the time, things have worked out every single time ever in every situation that I've done things God's way. And that's because I stand on this verse right here. He says, I will not fail you or abandon you. And I know if we, we're so used to hearing these churchy phrases, you know, God is good all the time. 
All the time? Oh, God is good. You know, that was, you know, we used to say that all the time in the 90s. I mean, that was, especially in the Pentecostal churches, that was just, that was, you just did it, all right? I don't even know if everybody, some people probably just didn't even realize they were saying it, but it, it was said all the time. And, you know, sometimes we throw phrases out, but if I were to just come and say, hey, brother, God, God never fails, you know, I, usually I'd probably get a generic amen, all right, and just keep going on, you go about your business, about your day. But think about that. God never fails and God is on your side. God is on your side. He wants you to win. He's on your side. And if I'm in a fight, you know, I got to say, if there's anybody that I want on my side, it's, it's God Almighty. You know, if you could give me a list of, you know, every, every warrior in the history of the world, and I could pick any of them, I would want God on my side. And the truth of the matter is, is that God is on my side. He wants me to win. He wanted Joshua to win. And so don't let these things we read and these things we say fly over your head. Amen. God is good all the time, brother. No. Listen. Get this in your spirit and think about this. God said to you, I will not fail you. I will never abandon you. There will never be a second of your life that you're alone ever again. Ever again. You stick with me. I'm right there with you. Listen, I will not fail you. I will not abandon you. And I have a 100% success rate. I've never failed at anything I have ever done. Think about that. What if you were in a, a legal battle or something like that and, and, and you had no money, you didn't know what you were going to do and it just looked like you were getting ready to lose and go to prison and all this stuff and the greatest lawyer or something in the whole world came up and said, listen, I believe in you. I am on your side. I'm going to take care of this for you for free and I've never lost a case ever. I have a 100% success rate. Can I help you out? Can I be on your side? Will you let me? You'd be a fool if you said no. I mean, I, I'd slap you in the face if you said no to that. Listen, and I know some people that re, they reject the help from God. They know these verses. They've read these. Yet for some reason or another, they, they don't believe them or they don't do them or they just keep trying to fight away and scratch and claw at life in their own power. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? You've got almighty God sitting here begging to get in, begging to help you, and you're still trying to figure it out on your own. Why would you do that? God is on your side. God is for you, so who can be against you? Come on, man. Let God come in and do his thing in your life. And, you know, I always, I always it comes back to me at this all the time, is that God is my dad. He's my father. God is a good father. And I've said, I was blessed. I have a very good father. And I, I feel sad that not everybody was blessed with that. I get that. But I, I have a good image of what a good dad should be because I was, I was raised with that. And I'm, I'm blessed because of that. But God is the ultimate example of what a father is. Would a good dad just walk out on his kids when they needed him? Absolutely not. My, you know, every time I've had a hard time, that's when my dad buckled down more than ever and said, man, whatever you need, I'm here. Even to this day, if I need, I mean, he would do anything for me. And don't you think God would do even more than that? He said, I'll never, I'll never fail you. I'll never abandon you. But on that same leg, on that same line of thought, this comes to me also that a good dad doesn't just constantly hand everything out to you. A good dad teaches you how to stand up and, and fight for it. And so God being a good dad, he doesn't always just throw it out at you. Every, I mean, you've you got to learn, and he teaches you how to fight the good fight of faith. And that's what Joshua had to learn. You know, if, if things are just always dumped into your life nonstop every single time, man, you, you've got no skills, you've got, you've got no life skills in the natural. But also, if it's just dumped into your life all the time, man, that, that's not how it works. Sometimes we pray and something happens instantly, and, and you know, that's great, but... 
more often than not, God teaches us to fight the good fight of faith, to get some verses, to, to, to speak to the mountain, to stand up to the situation, to plug away at it and fight and, and, and do things like Joshua did here, meditate the word, not just get lazy, but I mean seriously fight for it spiritually. And that's what a good dad would teach his kids. And that's what God teaches us, man. We know he doesn't throw things on us and so don't even go there. But I do know that sometimes, man, God, God lets us fight that good fight of faith for a while. Get some verses, man. Build yourself up and learn how to fight for it. And, man, whenever you, whenever you win a spiritual victory, there is nothing sweeter in this world than standing on top of that mountain that you were at the bottom of looking up saying, I mean, I don't know, what, I don't know what's going to happen. But listen, when you make it to the top of that mountain, that, there is no greater feeling in this world. You could win the Super Bowl or something, and it's, I, it's not as sweet as that, I guarantee you. There's nothing better than winning a spiritual battle. And I know some of us in here, you've won some spiritual battles. You, there's things that try to take you out. There's things that you said, oh my gosh, I, you know, I can't do this on my own. And that's the good thing. When you get past doing it on your own, then you rely on God. Then you start to fight. Then you start doing things God's way, and you make it to the top of that mountain, and it is the best feeling in this world. And so, that's some of the stuff that God was teaching Joshua here. But there's a couple of verses. I was, I've been talking to you about meditating, and some of you this week told me that you've been doing this. I could ask for a show of hands, but I'm not going to. But some of you this week said, I've actually done that. I've got some verses, and I've, I've been meditating them this week, and I'm seeing a difference. And if you didn't do that this week, then, hey, you failed. No, no. Well, technically you did. But uh, the same, no, but, but I, I encourage you, because I always try to take the positive approach. I encourage you to this week, once again, find some verses to meditate. And because I am so nice... That's the kind of guy I am. I'm going to give you two right here that you, you could meditate on this week. And you could repeat to yourself and watch what happens. The first one is Romans 8.31. So turn over there. Romans 8.31. Romans 8.31. And I've got, let's see, five other suggestions, too, on these walls right here. Uh, you know, again, as I said, we didn't just, you know, eeny, meeny, miny, mo pick out verses to put on our church walls and say, you know, these seem like they'd be hip. No. These were prayed over. These verses on the walls here were very intentionally picked uh, for us. And so, I mean, you need to, these are some good verses right here. These are excellent verses. Read them. Um, but Romans 8.31, let's turn over there. Amen. Romans 8.31. It says this, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Watch what happens if you walk around all day saying, if God is for me, who can be against me? If God is for me, who can be against me? God is on my side. If God is for me, who can be against me? Man, you say that all day long, you are going to feel like, like the Hulk or something by the end of the day. You are going to feel really, really good. I promise you that. And this other verse is this, is 1 John 4, 4. It's another one that you should have memorized. 1 John 4, 4. 1 John 4, 4. These are, man, these are some of the, this is some of the best stuff in the world right here. 1 John 4, 4. I love this verse. And this is one that I heard my dad say all the time growing up. I mean, I heard dad say this all the time growing up. Mainly the, the last sentence here, but we'll read the whole thing. 1 John 4, 4, King James Version. 
It says, you're of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. You want to say that with me? Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And then you could even insert, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Man, make it personal and, and say that to yourself. And listen, we know that who, who is the one that's in this world? Absolutely. Yeah, the devil. And, and, you know, we've got verses that tell us that he's the prince of the power of the air. He's currently the god of this world. He's, you know, currently he's, he's running the show here. That's why a lot of these bad things happen that do happen. But the better news than that is this, is that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. He's greater, he's better, he's bigger, he's stronger than anything that's in this world. And he lives on the inside of me. I don't need to worry. I just need to go about living my life, doing things God's way, and enjoying the blessings of God. I heard this story about an elderly woman in, in London in World War II. Uh, her neighbors didn't see her for several days, actually a couple weeks. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, uh, what's going on? And, and you know, there was the people were going into the, the, the bomb shelters and all that stuff because there was bombings taking place. And they hadn't seen her, you know, at, at any of those, in any of the shelters or anything. Nobody could find her. And then to everybody's, you know, shock, a couple weeks later, they see her just walking down the street whistling, just having a good day and skipping, and she's an old lady just enjoying her life. And everybody's like, wait, we thought you were dead. We couldn't find you anywhere. Where have you been? And she's like, oh, I've just been at my house, you know, living my life and, and you know, living the dream, having a good time. And everyone's like, what, what, what about during all the bombings? What, what did you do? Where were you during, during the bombs? What, weren't you afraid? Weren't you hiding? And she said, no. After I read in the Bible that God neither sleeps nor slumbers, I figure if he's not going to sleep, then we shouldn't both stay awake. I'll just go ahead and sleep myself and, and, and enjoy life. And that's, that's the truth, man. You don't need to stay up at night fretting and worrying about what's going on. God doesn't sleep, all right? We know that. The Word says that God neither sleeps nor slumbers, so there's no need in both of you just staying up all the time. I mean, listen, just live your life at peace and enjoy your life. God's got everything under control. He's not going to fail you. He is not going to abandon you. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. You should let the peace of God just rule in your hearts and lives through Christ Jesus, as the word says. Amen. And so God's right there. He's not going to fail you. He's not going to abandon you. And point number two is this, is that you need to be strong. I said, be strong. We need to, man. We, we've got to be strong. And if we're talking about being strong in our own strength, then yeah, go out and hit the weight room. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something better than that. I'm talking about being strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, Joshua, as I told you last week, he was a man that had, he had fought many battles by this point in his life. By, by the time Joshua chapter 1 gets around, I mean, Joshua is about 85 years old. All right. Uh, he was about 45 when they sent this, the when him and Caleb and the other spies went out to spy uh, the promised land. Remember that uh, numbers. All right. And so he was about 45 then. And when they went out to spy and then they they get sent back out to the wilderness for another 40 years. Moses died off and a, a couple million people died off. And so here we are. Joshua makes it back. He's about 85 years old. And I mean, he's probably thinking, man, my fighting days are behind me. 
And, you know, I, I, I'm, you know I've never, I'm not 85 yet, but I can imagine you probably feel a little bit different at 85 than you do 45. It's, you know, it's, it just happens. And, and the thing about that, on top of all that, he's been walking around in the desert for 40 of those years out of his 85 years of life. And the first several years were spent in slavery. He was born as a slave in, in Egypt. So he hadn't necessarily had an easy life. He didn't have things handed to him, and he wasn't just born into this, you know, prominent position. No, man, he had stuck around and been faithful and fought for where he was. And so here he is at 85. He's fought some battles. He's walked some miles. He has, I mean, he has lived a very, very full life up until this point. I mean, he has seen some things happen. He walked through the Red Sea and all this stuff, just like everybody else did. And it seems like a lot of the things that God's telling him in chapter 1 were things that he's probably heard before or probably knew. I mean this. I mean, God keeps telling him, be strong, be courageous, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. And, and I think these are things that, that Joshua had already heard before. At some point, he's a warrior. But he needed to hear him again. And I think some of us in here, we're warriors we fought some battles. We've won some battles. We're warriors, man. You're not, you're not, you know, just some little sissy that's trying. No, you, I mean, you're a warrior, and God has used you. God has done things. You, you have fought some battles. You have won some victories. But if Joshua needed to hear this again, you need to hear it again. You need to hear it continually. You can't let this, this, this book of the law, this word of God, depart from your mouth. You've got to meditate in it day and night. And so many times in Joshua 1, you read the whole chapter, I, I could count it, but so many times, several times, God says, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid, Joshua. Don't be afraid. Joshua, stay strong. Be courageous, Joshua. I'm not going to leave you, Joshua. I'm not going to abandon you. You're not on your own, Joshua. I'm right there, Joshua. Don't, don't quit now. Don't fail. Don't be afraid. Don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. Hang in there, Joshua. We're going to do this. And I'm thinking, this guy's like one of the best warriors of all time. But God kept pumping him up with it, kept pumping him up. And some of us, man, we need a reminder sometimes. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you have fought some battles. Maybe you've been through a lot. But listen, don't, don't let that stop you. Man, there's another fight to win. There's another battle. There's another mountain to climb. And God wants you to do it. God has great things even in store for you still. Joshua was 85 85, most guys are looking at retirement. He still, I think he lived, what was it, 110 or maybe it was 120. He still had a few years left in him, and he still had the biggest fight of his life ahead of him at the age of 85. That's incredible. And so whoever you are in here, you know, or maybe whoever's listening online, man, the best is yet to come, no matter where you are. There's still some victories to be claimed. There's still some enemies to beat. There's still some ground to be gained. There's some mountains to be climbed. There's some victories ahead of you if you're willing to just get up and fight, man. Just get up and fight and know that God is on your side. I want to look at this verse again. You can put that back on the screen. First John 4, 4. I want to see this one more time. We just read it. year of God, little children have overcome them because greater is he. Say greater is he. That's in me. Than he that is in the world. You know, I, I've heard um, Craig Hagen, that's Kenneth Hagen's grandson, refer to this verse and say that some people have a greater mentality. Have you ever, you know, known people have different mentalities? Some people have a very like um, 
poverty type of mentality. You know, they, they just keep reverting back to living a poor lifestyle, even if they aren't necessarily poor. You know what I mean? People have different mentalities about them, different demeanors, different outlooks on life. And if you could get out of this verse what's called the greater mentality. You know, it may seem a little arrogant, it may seem a little stuck up. Problems come your way and you're like, greater than that. God's greater. God's on the inside of me. Greater is he. Greater is he that's in me. You're not intimidated by stuff anymore. You've got some backbone. Joshua, after a while, man, God kept encouraging him, but he had some backbone. He had some fight in him. He had the greater mentality that not everybody just has. Some people just have some confidence, you know, naturally. Some people are just born with, with a confident nature, and I get that. But even if you weren't born with that, if you can get the greater mentality out of 1 John 4, 4, Things will not intimidate you like they used to. People will not push you around. The devil will not push you around. You've just got this, you've got a chip on your shoulder. You're like, man, I'm just looking for a fight right now. Not with people, but I'm talking about in the spirit. You're just looking for a fight. Man, throw something at me, man. I'm ready for this. I, I want to fight. I want something to go after right now. You've got to have the greater mentality. And so the opposite of the greater mentality would be the grasshopper mentality. The grasshopper mentality. And so we're going to look at Joshua's earlier days when he was in his 40s. Okay? We're going to turn uh, to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers 13. And uh, this is probably one of my favorite Bible stories. So I've, I've probably preached this one to you a lot. So forgive me, but you're never going to hear it too many times. Numbers chapter 13. Numbers 13. Who's excited? All right. Don't go sleeping on me now. Numbers chapter 13, and so here we are, the first time that Joshua and Caleb got to see the promised land. Because they got to see it earlier on in their life here. So, as we've explained before, Moses leads the people out of Egypt. Okay, a couple million people, they cross the Red Sea and all this stuff. They get to Canaan, they get to the promised land, and honestly, a relatively short period of time. Um, and I believe, uh, I need to should have looked this up before I quote it, but I, I think it's like from, from Egypt where they were to where the promised land was, something like a 12-day walk or something. It's, you know, not really that far. And so, you know, you add in that many people, we'll give you, you know, a couple months or something, whatever. But it didn't take them that long. It did not take them 40 years to originally get to the promised land. They made it in just fine time. So, Moses picks out 12 spies to go scout out the land, you know, one guy from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so, um, so you know, they, they pick 12 guys, they go in and write, hey, go look at it, scout it out, tell us what we're just going uh, to need to, to, to beat these guys. And listen, this is our land, boom, we're here, 12 guys go, 12 spies go in. And so, as you may be familiar with this story, not everybody came back with the same report. They all looked at the same piece of real estate but ten people saw something different than two of them did. And so, Numbers chapter 13, verses 27 and 28. And here's the pansies report. Here's the sissies, the guys that, you know, just didn't deserve to be called men. Verse 27, it says, This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. And if you read earlier in the chapter, you know that uh, the, the, the land was bountiful, it grew grapefruit, 
The grapes were so large that it took two grown men to carry them on a pole between them. That's how big the grapes were. The pomegranates were huge. I mean, this was just, it was a dreamland for these guys. And if you're, we think in 21st century terms so much that we lose sight of that. We're like, well, yeah, if I want big grapes, I'll just go down to Stater Brothers. Big whoop, that doesn't impress me. Listen. If you had to grow all the food that you ate and you were responsible for that, you would really appreciate moving into a city that was already irrigated and, and already had housing set up and already had fields you know, plowed and water and cisterns and wells dug. You would appreciate that if you knew what I'm talking about. But all of us, you know, and, you know we have water and big whoop, you know, grapes, you know, who cares? Pomegranates, we can grow those in bars. So, listen, listen. This is a big deal to these guys, that they were going to move in, move in ready property. They could just come in and take over the fields. They could come in and take over the houses. This was something that God completely set up for them. This was a gift from God. But look what happens. Verse 28, here's what they said. But the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. And so they, they're like, yeah, it's everything we've ever wanted. But it's just, it's too hard. It's not going to happen for us. These are the same people that made it through the Red Sea. The same people that saw all those plagues in Egypt. The same people that have seen the hand of God probably stronger than any people have ever seen it. And here they are with the most beautiful gift from God. I mean, just amazing, amazing gift. And they're like, it's awesome. It's everything we've ever dreamed of. But it's not going to happen. It's too hard. There's giants there. There's, there's really big walls. I mean, I don't, how, do you, how do you get through a wall like that? I don't know what we're going to do. God could part the Red Sea, but he can't walk through a wall. Are you kidding me? This is sad. But look at, look at these next couple verses here. Um, verses 32 and 33. Verses 32 and 33. So they spread this bad report among the, the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. And that's obviously that's not true. Not everybody was giants. There were some, but not everybody was giants. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak next to them. We felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. They had the grasshopper mentality. They were like, yes, God's cool, God's big, God's done things, but look at us. We're just grasshoppers. We're going to get squashed. We're going to get punked. We're going to get beat up. We're going to get everything stripped away from us. It can't be done. We can't do it. They had the wrong mentality. Ten of the guys. Two of the guys did not have the grasshopper mentality. Do you know what their names were? Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb were two crazy guys, man. These guys, as you know, we're going to see more and more of this in the coming weeks. But Joshua and Caleb looked at the exact same thing, the exact same town, the same grapes, the same tall guys, everything else. They had a completely different report. And I see this same thing even in our day and age. I'll see different people looking at the same situation. There's the pessimist and there's the optimist. The pessimist will look at the exact same situation and say, yeah, I mean, this would be cool if this could happen, but it probably can't ever be done. I just, I don't think this, it's impossible. Why are you wasting your time, you dreamer? What's your problem? And then an optimist comes in and looks at the exact same problem and says, oh my gosh, yeah, this is a problem. But listen, do you realize what will happen if we can find a solution to this? This would be awesome. This is, you know, we'll have the answers to all of our situations. If we tackle this and we beat this situation, wow, what an opportunity. And so 
these ten guys saw trouble, they saw impossibilities, and Joshua and Caleb, as you'll see, they're like, yeah, there's, yeah, there's some giants there, but man, if we beat giants, we'll have the place of our dreams. This will be the greatest thing we could have ever imagined. If we can win this battle, and we can, dude, this is going to be the, the, the biggest thing in the history of the world. This is a great opportunity. And so, don't mistake trouble and and all this stuff don't 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 be blind to the opportunity that you have if you overcome your situations and so numbers 1330 here's what caleb had to say so everybody else is you know crying and and boohooing but caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before moses he said man let's go at once to take the land he said we can certainly conquer it Notice he didn't even say, let's go back to camp, let's devise a battle plan, let's take a community vote and see how many people think we can do it. All the yeas, raise thine hands. All the nays, okay, well, everyone... No, he didn't even want to go back and and come up with a battle plan. He was so gung-ho and excited about the promised land. He's like, let's go right now. Let's go at once. We can take this right now because God's going to fight for us. Let's just go now. Everybody go. And he was that excited about it. That's how I want to be. That's the type of guy, if I could be like somebody, I want to be like Joshua and Caleb, while everybody else is too busy looking and and debating on why it can't happen, I just want to charge through the gates and go out and start kicking some behind and winning a battle and eating some giant grapes while everybody else is crying, man. That's what I want to do. And so everybody else is, no, it can't happen. And Caleb's like, let's just go now. I don't want to wait. I want my piece of the pie. And so he's ready to go. Everybody else, as you can tell, is crying and whining. So look at chapter 14, verses 7 through 9. Chapter 14, verses 7 through 9. And here's Joshua and Caleb, their joint report to all the, everybody here. So this is uh, Joshua talking here. They said to all the people of Israel, The land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he'll bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It's a rich land flowing with milk and honey. But look at what he says right here. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. Do you know that when you eventually just let fear completely control you, eventually that reaches a stage of rebellion and sin. And you're like, that doesn't sound very fair. Well, maybe not, but it's true. If if you've seen the things that these guys have seen and maybe some of the things you've experienced in your life, and yet you still blatantly keep choosing to believe the bad report over the word of God, that reaches a place where eventually that's a sin. We're all faced with fear. But if you continually just believe the fear and the evil and the bad reports over God, you're a rebel. You're a rebel. And so Joshua, he's like, man, listen, don't listen to the whiners. Don't listen to the complainers. Listen to me. Don't rebel. Don't be afraid. Quit rebelling against God. He says God's going to give it to us. These people are only helpless. Pray to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Man, get that. And so Joshua's like, don't feel bad for us. I feel bad for them. They don't have any protection at all. They built a giant wall and they think that's going to protect them. We have God on our side. Don't be a little rebellious, whining little ninny. Listen, he probably would have slapped people. In fact, I think they tore their shirts if you keep reading. They got so mad, they're like, ah. They tore their shirts off because they were so frustrated. 
and made them that angry that these people doubted God this much. Man, Joshua is a man of faith. And he's like, listen, they have no protection. God is on our side. I feel sorry for them. We're going to go in there and slaughter these guys. They don't stand a chance. Listen to yourselves and wake up. But as we know, the people, they didn't do it. They didn't do it. They believed these ten guys rather than the two. And if you keep reading chapter 14, God, God gets so fed up. He's like, all right, that's it. That's it. All you guys that are too afraid, everybody that doubts me, everybody that's too afraid, you don't get to go in ever. You're going to wander in the wilderness until the last one of you dies off. And so for 40 years, there's between 2 and 3 million people, for 40 years, they wandered and, and they were right there. I mean, you look at a map, they're right there. They, they went back around and walked in it circles in the desert for 40 years until the last one of those grown men of fighting age died off before they could go in. Two guys, two, two people out of that whole camp got to still go. And that was Joshua and Caleb. But can you imagine what they saw for 40 years? I mean, that's people, I, th- I forget what the average was, but that's an average of a lot of people dying off every day all around you for 40 years in the middle of the desert. We don't think about that. They've got to find ways to, you know, dispose of this and all this stuff. It was a bad thing. And Joshua and Caleb at that point, can you imagine the frustration? You were right there. You were right there at the door, the promised land, but because of everybody else's doubt, because of everybody else's bad attitude, you're now you're in the desert for 40 years. But guess what? A lot of people would have given up on God. They would have said, all right, fine, I'll just die. But no, they, they got just a glimpse of the promised land. And if you've had just a glimpse of the promised land for your life, oh man, that's enough to keep you going. Even if you have to fight that battle for 40 years, you're like, I've seen it and I'm not stopping. I'm not giving up until I get there. There's a promised land for everybody here. God has a promised land for you. And if you get just a glimpse of it, if you, if you see just a little bit of what, of what God has for you, and the Bible says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. You can't even imagine what God has prepared for you, but if you can see just a little bit of it, that's enough to keep you going for another 40 years. And Joshua and Caleb, they kept going for those 40 years they didn't give up they didn't let all the stuff going on around them stop them they kept going for it and so that brings us to number three tonight is that we need to be courageous number one you got to know that god's not going to fail you or abandon you number two you got to be strong and number three you've got to be courageous and i like the definition of courage and it's this it's the ability to do something that frightens one. And so, man, just because you're a, a strong or courageous person, that doesn't mean that fear doesn't try to come to you. I mean, yeah, fear had to have tried to come to Joshua. Fear had to try to come at, at some point, even though he was strong in all this stuff. But God kept telling him, all right, listen, don't be afraid. Just be strong, be courageous. God kept reminding him. God kept telling him. And so, it's not a sin to let when fear knocks on your door and, and you're like, okay, well, all right. And you think about it. It is a sin to let fear control you like they did. That's rebellious and that's a sin. But it's not a sin for fear to just come in and knock on your door. You don't have to answer, though. You can fight back. And so courage, being courageous, is stepping up 
and doing something that scares you. And so that's where Joshua was right here. He was strong and he was courageous. And fear is something that we deal with as human beings. But we know, according to 2 Timothy 1.7, that it doesn't come from God. Why? Because God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. But what did he give us? Spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. He gave you a spirit of power. He gave you a spirit of power. And so here we are. Joshua is looking at at the promised land. They make it back and God says, listen, don't be afraid. Be strong. Be courageous. You're going to need some courage to get into where God has for you. You're going to have to face some things that have scared you in the past. Some things that have held you back. You're going to have to eventually face them down. You're going to have to do it if you're going to get into the promised land. And that's what Joshua had to do. But what I want to drive to right now is this before we close down is that jesus himself had to have courage because fear tried to come in and grip jesus and stop him from fulfilling his call just like it does to everybody and i want to show you this in luke chapter 22 you got to get this right here luke chapter 22 luke 22 jesus himself when he came to earth it says he, he came as a man, and Jesus was here. He, he had the DNA of, of God, but he also had human blood running through him. Jesus was a man, and it says he was tempted. He was tested in all the same ways that we were. And so if you've been tested with fear, Jesus has been tested with fear. If you've been tested in different areas, Jesus himself was tested and tempted those same ways. But the Bible says he was without sin. He didn't give in to those things. And so fear tried to come in the night before the, the biggest, the, one of the biggest moments, one of the biggest, most important things in the history of the world. Right here, fear tried to come in and stop him. Luke 22, look at verse uh, 39. Luke 22, verse 39 And so um, this is after the the supper and all this stuff. It says, Then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went, as usual, to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, Pray that you will not give in to temptation. So Jesus would often go to the mountain and pray all night. Luke chapter 5 and chapter 6 talks about this, that sometimes Jesus would just go up on the mountain and pray all night long and not sleep at all. He's a, he's a human being right here. That's a difficult thing to do. Jesus went and prayed all night long. And so here he is before this great moment. What's he going to do? He's going to do what he always does. He goes to the Mount of Olives. He's like, I'm going to go pray. And he takes the 12 with him. Well, 11 of them. And so uh, he walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And so fear's trying to grip him. He's like, Father, if there's some other way to take this away, there's another way to do this, can we do that? But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And so this is cool. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. Verse 44, he prayed more fervently. He kept digging in. It says, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. His, he, he literally, blood began to come out of Jesus pours. And now you've heard me say this before, but I'll say it again, that this is a physical possibility, a medical condition called hematoidrosis, where a human being can reach such a level of anxiety, such a level of agony, and such nervousness 
that the human body can literally begin to sweat blood. And that's what happened to Jesus right here. Because he knew what a crucifixion was. We, you know, I tell you, Jesus was crucified. And again, you say, amen, God is good. All the time, all the time. No, Jesus knew what a crucifixion was, man. People knew. The Romans crucified people every day. It was no big deal to walk down the street and you see people hanging on crosses with broken bones and i mean just a nasty situation and so jesus knew what was coming and he's sitting there oh my gosh i gotta go through with this i gotta save everybody if i don't do this they have no hope these people in 2016 they don't stand a chance people are gonna die they're gonna go to hell they can't they can't get into heaven on their own i've got to do this he's shaken He's sweating. The, the anxiety in his stomach just probably felt like he was going to pass out. But he says, oh, God, if there's another way. But no, no, not my will. Your will be done. We've got to do this your way. I've got to go through with this. He was human. He could, he, nobody made Jesus do it. Nobody made Jesus die. He chose to die. And he had a way out. He later on said, talking to, to uh, in the garden there, when they all came to arrest him and Peter Peter grabs a sword because Peter's a crazy man. Peter grabs a sword and cuts some guy's ear off. Jesus picks the ear up off the ground, puts it back on the guy's head and says, Peter, listen, man, I'm not here to fight like that. Stop it. What's wrong with you? No one's making me do this, Peter. If I wanted, I could ask God right now to send down 12 legions of angels and, and, and pull me out of this, Peter. I could get out of this. 12 legions of angels would be like 72,000 angels. And so, and so Jesus said, on the spot, man, I could have like 72,000 angels come down and kill everybody right here, Peter. Man, I don't, I don't need your help with this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to go through with it. That's courage right there. That's courage. If you knew the next day you were going to wake up and be murdered in the most horrific, brutal manner possible. But because you're going to do that, it's going to save so many people. That's courage. And, and, and Jesus, he said, yeah, I'm going to do this. I don't have to, but I'm going to. It's going to be worth it. I'm going to make this happen. And so Jesus, he, he's there. He's praying He's shaking, he's sweating, he's crying, and, and there's blood coming out, just coming out of his arms, coming down his face, and no one's even touched him yet. And here he is. He prayed more fervently. At last he stood up again and returned to the disciples, only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you won't give in to temptation. And so one thing that I see from that verse is the fear that was in the air. The anxiety was so thick you could cut it with a knife. The disciples, they didn't fall asleep because it was late at night. They fell asleep. They were exhausted from the grief. They, they were so exhausted from grief that they... It doesn't say they fell asleep because it was late at night. It doesn't say that. It says they fell asleep because they were exhausted from the grief. And so... Imagine that, the guys that you brought with you for a prayer meeting, they're all passed out because they're so nervous and so full of anxiety. And so, yeah, the tension and the anxiety and the fear was there, and it tried to stop the Son of God from fulfilling his call on his life. If the devil's going to try to stop Jesus himself, then he's going to try to stop you. Oh, yeah. He's going to come and he's going to try to bring fear. He's going to try to bring the what ifs or no, it can't happen. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. No, just give up now. Just quit now. You might as well quit now and not even give it a try. He's going to try to do that to you. He tried to do it to Joshua. He tried to do it to Jesus. But these guys stood up and said, no, greater is he. 
Amen? Greater is he. I've got this greater mentality. You can throw it at me, but it's not going to stop me. This is going to happen. I am going to fight this battle until I win. I am in it to win it. And I am going to fight this no matter what you throw at me. Victory is mine. I always overcome in Christ Jesus. He always gives me the victory. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus. We're more than conquerors, Romans 8, 37. So, that's what I want to encourage you with tonight. Get this mentality that Joshua and Jesus had. Be strong. You're going to get strong through meditating the Word of God. You're not going to go work out and that's not going to make you spiritually strong. You're going to get strong through meditating the Word of God. And you're going to be courageous and you're going to face fears that have tried to stop you from doing what God called you to do. That's what we're learning from Joshua tonight. Last week it was meditating. This week it's being strong. It's being courageous. And so you know what that means in your life. I don't know what that means to you. All right. I have no idea. But whatever it is that God's speaking to your heart right now saying, yeah, you need to be courageous. You need to be strong. You listen to him on that and watch what God can do for you. Amen. All right, I'm going to shut up now. Let's go ahead and stand up.